0: Hey everyone, it is the Motor Focus Model Podcast. It is episode 12A, because of course, in motor racing, you can't have 13 of anything. That is unlucky, therefore this is 12A. All right, it's episode 13 for those who are really going to press the point with us. It's Aaron Noonan here. Dimitri Camino is with me down the Zoom line as we talk model cars of all sorts. It's a big welcome to you, Dim, for uh, another episode. We've got plenty of uh, listener questions. We've got some more secondhand market discussion on our uh, Backus winning cars which will cover the, the bulk of the 1980s but uh, plenty going on and plenty just arriving too.
1: Yeah hi Nooms. Uh it's good to be here for um, our uh, 12A slash <laughs> 13 podcast. Um, been suffering with a bit of a head head flu the uh, last couple of days so I'll, I'll do my best and I'll follow it up to cough and splutter too much but yeah it's been a, a good couple of weeks and a couple of new world champions uh, Well, one new and one existing one in the Formula 1, but uh, the MotoGP has a new one, which is cool.
0: There's a lot of non-motorsport followers who are saying, who? Who won MotoGP? Not Marquez, not Rossi. Who is this other bloke? We've never heard of him.
1: Yeah, well, one win, I think, in the season, but um, there there you go.
0: Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter how many wins you have in a season. It matters that you scored enough points to win the championship, and and that's uh, what's happened again. Hey, talk to me about, We talk, let's barrel into it, figurine sets. You've got some um, some pit stop crew member pit sets that you could put with some uh, some cars. This is cool.
1: Yeah, that's right, Moons. We've got these uh, pit stop race figurine sets. Now, they are available in 118th and 143rd scale. But the cool thing is there's what we call a blue set and a red set. So... The blue ones are obviously aligned with Red Bull, and they actually come with some little Red Bull decals that you can put all over them. The red set is uh, designed for the shell sort of Formula One, but they still look cool around our V8 supercars. So don't be afraid to sort of add them into your collections that way. We've got some pictures on our website, sort of showing showing those sets and around the cars, so you can um, certainly utilize them uh, for for a cool display.
0: So, between crew members, trophies, posters, we're starting to rack up a fair set of little additional elements that you can purchase for the model car collection. You've got... But this one blows me away. Fire extinguishers and vintage gas pumps. This is getting out of control.
1: <laughs> oh, look, we've always had a good range of uh, vintage gas gas pumps, but uh, sort of two new uh, ones have arrived. So, there's a Phillips 66, which... I think it's a uh, an old American brand, but more importantly, there's another Shell uh, gas pump available, so that one is already been super popular. The uh, the little fire extinguisher is pretty cool. It's it's basically handmade by our our good mate from Western Australia, uh, Dion, and he's put together these little fire extinguishers with excellent detail. Uh, they're all alloy, and uh, even comes with the little sign that goes on the wall uh, behind it. Uh, so really cool for your for your diorama so definitely check them out
0: i'd be amazed if they discharge as well that would be next level but let's see if you can manage to engineer one that actually works one day
1: yeah that'd be be pretty cool
0: (laughs) i reckon that's probably when we know that we've gone way too far with those extra bits for the model car collection sets Uh, a little reminder too to our listeners thank you again for everyone listening we've had a great amount of downloads so far this year. Tell all your friends in the model car community or if you're in a collecting trucks or motorbikes or, or whatever the case may be, uh, we've had great feedback. We're getting really big amounts of email every week, Dim, and lots of questions on social media. So we might have to, in the future, actually prune this into separate episodes uh, and do the questions in, in various different ones because we're getting so many. Don't forget the website, motorfocus.com.au. Join the Collectors Club now and you can get yourself a five percent discount on anything that is going uh, pre-order is always something that we bang on about. I think we've said it in every episode, and we'll say it again. But Authentic Collectibles, their uh, their Mustang range of 2020 and a couple of extra uh, interesting cars from 18 and 19 have been announced, and I might race through them, and you can uh, add to them a little bit further. Of course, uh, the 2020 championship winner of Scott McLaughlin, and yes. 2019's cars are not far away. There's uh, an expectation and a hope that the Bathurst winner of 2019 will be, fingers crossed, lobbying with uh, you and all the stockers around the country uh, just before Christmas. Um, But they've announced at Authentic Collectibles that they will do the McLaughlin 2020 championship winning car as the Bathurst car that he drove with Tim Slade. That'll be in 118th with a championship trophy, as well as in 43rd and 64th. They're going to do the uh, Monster Energy... Cam Waters' Bathurst pole position car that finished second, uh, co-driven by Will Davison. That's in 18th and 43rd. They'll do a Fabian Coulthard season, number 12, Shell V-Power, Mustang at 18th and 43rd. In fact, all of these from here on that I'll mention are 18th and 43rds. Uh, Lee Holdsworth's truck assist 2020 car, Will Davison's Milwaukee car that he started the year in at the Adelaide 500, only drove that uh, at Adelaide and in qualifying and practice at Albert Park. Jack LeBrock's super cheap 55 car. Of course, he was a race winner at Sydney Motorsport Park this year. James Courtney's Boost Mobile Mustang as well, uh, the number 44 car. And then a couple of interesting ones that I want to talk to you about, Tim. Uh, They're doing the 2018 camouflage test livery when they first unveiled the Mustang. And they were doing all the homologation testing that McLaughlin and Coulthard did late in 2018. That's going to be done in 18th and 43rd scale. And they're also doing... Uh, the Dick Johnson 2019 Adelaide 500 Parade of Champions car uh, that had that Ford Performance livery when he drove uh, in that demo where Scott McLaughlin was in a road car, Mustang, and Marcus Ambrose was in uh, a Team Penske NASCAR. So a couple of cool additional ones there to uh, actual race team cars that I reckon those two will be really popular.
1: Yeah, I agree, Nunes. Like they, they, They definitely help tell the story of the Mustang coming into the series. So... You know, the Camouflage 1 was obviously their test sort of car and, yeah, Dick's car he drove is really cool as well. Like, the other standouts, I think, amongst that that pack of uh cars coming will be obviously Scottish Championship winning car and uh huge interest in the Cam Waters um, Bathurst pole car as well.
0: Yeah, and doing a Cam Waters regular season car obviously would have been in the plan, but such was his... Amazing performance, pole at Bathurst at 203.5, narrow runner-up. I mean, what was he, a second or so away from winning the race? Uh, Monster is always a a livery and a sponsor that grabs plenty of attention, but making the Bathurst version of that car, I think, is a really smart idea and I think one that collectors will will really agree is one to have on the shelf. They've also announced at Authentic Collectibles as well. Uh, If you're a Commodore fan, the two Penrite Racing Erebus Commodores from Bathurst with that one-off unique, Uh, livery the number nine car of Dave Reynolds and Will Brown just in the 118th scale and the 99 car of Anton Di Pasquale and Brody Castecchi so they are both in just uh, 118th and they're uh, resin cars aren't they versus uh, die cast opening parts
1: yeah that's correct Uh, still a great model Uh, haven't had many complaints about uh, authentic resin cars at all they're really good yeah so it's a big list there of
0: uh, pre-order items from Authentic Collectibles, and we say it all the time, get your pre-order in with the guys at Motor Focus and, and make sure that you don't miss out and then put yourself down for, for one of those because if you don't order in the pre-order stage, they won't make as many and then you might end up missing out a bit later on down the track when uh, things get a bit out of control and everyone jumps on board. Uh, Classic Collectibles, they've been busy too. They've got a—I saw this actually during the week and this really caught my eye because uh, Ampol is back as a brand in Australian... Uh, motoring and in motorsport, they're uh, partners with uh, Red Bull. In fact, they'll be uh, what was the Red Bull Holden Racing Team will become Red Bull Ampol Racing next year. So, a bit of a branding change from caltex to Ampol. It's the same business, but they're no longer permitted to use the caltex branding. It was under license in Australia, so therefore they are reviving Ampol, which has been dormant for about 25 years, I think it is. But uh, the reason for, for talking about that is that there's a a classic Collectibles 118th Scale EH Ute, uh, an Ampole Ute that's coming. This is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's right, Noons. Um, we've all got pretty good memories uh, of when we were very little kids of Ampole service stations around. Uh, my dad worked at one. So, uh, yeah, we used to get plenty of uh, bits and pieces from from the servo. So Classics is going to knock out a, in, in their uh, EH Ute range. So the next one is the Ampole car. So it's... it's um, a red ute with a blue roof and obviously the Ampole logo on the door and service unit sort of written down near the, uh, the tailgate end. Um, so that's definitely one that uh, we think is going to be a, a good seller.
0: I reckon that'll be really popular. And there's also a Falcon XC panel van, but it's in pine and lime. It takes you, I, I'm, I'm just thinking of pine lime. Do you remember pine lime? That Was it Tarex? Was that one of the brands of a soft drink?
1: I think there was an ice block, wasn't there?
0: Oh, I'm not sure. It could have been both in our different eras of
1: childhood. Yeah. Yeah, look, this is a a big new announcement by Classic Collectibles, so um, we should have had a drum roll, but maybe next time. (laughs) The Ford Falcon XC panel van, uh, there was questions about it in earlier podcasts, and I didn't think it was really on the radar anywhere, so they've kept that one very quiet. And um, the Sundowner obviously has uh, some extra striping and that sort of thing. Um, so the first one, yeah, like you say, the Pine and Lime, which is a yellow colour. They're also planning on doing Snow White, a Medina Green and a Red Flame. So we won't see them until late next year, but, again, they're up for uh, pre-order now.
0: Cool. Sounds good. Jump on the website, motorfocus.com.au. You can follow uh, motorfocus on Facebook, all the social media platforms. Uh, Instagram. You're on Instagram as well, aren't you? Uh, do yeah. you have a pers- Do you have a personal account, Dim?
1: Well, I do. I don't use it much.
0: (laughs) I won't give away your handle. People can go and find you (laughs) and then you can reject them when they try to follow you to see what you're doing away from model car stuff. Um, Listen to questions. Plenty as always. Let's bowl into them. Uh, Graham's got the first ball. He's got the new ball from the Paddington end. Do you think a HQ LS Monaro will ever get made the one with the four headlights?
1: Yeah, Graham, I, I, I totally agree with him here. And, uh, it would be a great one to make. Uh, nothing in the pipeline that I'm aware of, but the good thing about the HQLS, uh, the way those models are all made by Classics and uh, Bianchi, is they generally, the, the front clip is separate. So what they do when they make different models, they can interchange the body to, to suit the front and back uh, to, to make it, you know, HQ, H, you know, X or whatever it is. So it's something that... Uh, I'll get in their ear about and ask the questions and uh, see if we can push them to, um, you know, knock out the LS and uh, fill that gap in people's collections.
0: Yeah, keep pushing, keep pushing. They're probably sick of you rigging, asking for things to be made, but I'm sure you're one of many.
1: Yeah, look, I, look, look. they listen to the podcast too. and uh, yeah, shout yes,
0: out to, they do. They do. Shout
1: out to uh, Richard and Will and Peter and everyone else that makes models for uh, our little hobbies. So. Uh, uh, the, these questions are, are valuable for them to hear too. Yeah, great
0: feedback from some of the, the listeners that we've had throughout the course of the year. Nathan Mortimer is up next, and I, I won't read out his full um, email, but the, the premise is around Scott McLaughlin. Of course, he's over to the US and joining Team Penske's IndyCar program. A- and he's wondering how easy or hard it will be to get our hands on uh, Scotty McLaughlin IndyCar models, because he remembers when Marcus Ambrose went to the States and raced in NASCAR. He said, for those who wish to collect his diecasts, it was a bit of a challenge finding a shop that carried them or was even able to access them from um, from the suppliers in the United States. So I think recently we saw an announcement, did we not, that the McLaughlin St. Petersburg IndyCar that he drove in the last round of this year's championship, his debut in IndyCar, uh, that's going to be made. And, I, and we also mentioned how it's a little bit easier because it's a spec chassis in IndyCar racing. It's a Dallara DW12 that... Um, that all those cars are are running in in that championship. So that's handy. But uh, do you see it being an easier road to be able to access McLaughlin model content in in upcoming years and particularly next year?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's not going to be a problem at all because we have an Australian distributor of Greenlight who makes the current IndyCar models. So it's like you say, there's already the St. Petersburg car available for pre-order on our website. And anything that happens in the future, there there definitely uh, will be uh, models done and easily accessible to the Australian market because of that distributorship. So, yeah, it's not going to be a problem. The the problem we had with with NASCAR is we don't have an Australian distributor for those models, uh, and it's because there isn't a lot of volume, you know, Different when Marcus first started in NASCAR, we had them and there was a, a distributor bringing him in. But as he sort of, his career tailed off over there, you know, we, we we didn't see them coming through the normal channels. So it became quite a challenge for us to to be able to access the product. So, But as far as Scotty goes, yeah, it won't be a problem.
0: Any word on, just out of interest, who is the importer for Greenlight? Is it an existing model car company? Is it someone different? How does that all work?
1: Yeah, so Diecast Distributors Australia has been the green light distributor for many years, so he he has access to that product straight away. Uh, the the little curveball is uh, Authentic Collectibles has a connection with Penske and obviously a personal sponsor of Scotty McLaughlin, so he will have access uh, to the St. Petersburg car as well. So I believe uh, he will he will have his with a science certificate. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a slight little difference there. So we're just waiting to see, you know, timing and all that sort of thing. But um, that's the situation with, with the green light product in Australia.
0: Cool, good to know. I'm learning something every day. Jamie Jordan is next up. Is Bianti likely to announce the 2021 12th scale Bathurst winner anytime soon?
1: Yes. I hope uh, that order form can come through pretty soon. I did ask Richard uh, very recently, and they are working on the on the order form, so shouldn't be too far away.
0: Probably should have a one twelfth scale Holden flag hanging through the driver's door as well, if they really want to nail it.
1: Well, if they don't do it, I'm sure uh, Dion and uh, the other
0: guys
1: (laughs) can can easily uh, knock one up.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure it's already in the pipe works. Paul Smart, he's asked uh, when and who. Maybe this should be who and when. Yeah. Anyway, either either way, whatever the order. Um, he's talking about EB GTs in 118 scale. Uh, he says it's the only Falcon GT not yet made. So when and who will be making it or could make it?
1: Yeah. Look, it's one that we really need made to fill that um, gap in the uh, in the cycle of of GTs. It's going to have to be done in resin, I believe. It just isn't a high enough volume car. You know, there are a couple of colours they can do, so that's, that's not, a, not a big issue. So, I don't know, maybe maybe Authentics, maybe Beanti will um, get that one in the pipeline. Like Beanti have done the other GT, I forget which one it was, E, e something. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they may uh, jump on it.
0: We'll see. It's a case of wait and see. There's a few of, that, a few of those in uh, some of the answers to our questions on the podcast over the course of the year, but they're the, yeah. the best that we can answer them. Uh, but there's clearly a, a lot of interest out there in model cars, such as that one. So we know that the powers that be are listening. Uh, Dave Wilson, this is a good question. I like this one. He says that he knows that the packaging adds to the value of 118th model significantly, but what's the best way to store your empty 118th SCAR model boxes so they don't get damaged? He's got quite a few now, and I can vouch for that. I've certainly got a few myself as well. Uh, do you put them in cardboard boxes? Do you put them in plastic tubs? Any hints or tips on how he's best to look after them?
1: Yeah, look, I think it, it just comes down to keeping your boxes out of the um, the elements. So, you know, strong sunlight, heat, moisture, and also uh, little pests and rodents. So anyway, you can store them safely like that. So cardboard boxes are fine, but, you know, you can get uh, vermin sort of chewing at them and that sort of thing, so the tubs <coughs> excuse me do do probably provide a little bit more protection um, We give a lot of cartons away to our customers for the purpose of uh, them packing up their their boxes and uh, storing them in a in a safe sort of dry environment. so yeah, just got to keep them away from those elements and and pests.
0: keep the pests out and the rodents too. Uh, yeah. Greg Wright, uh, are there any plans for a 118th Brock Repco Round Australia Trial Commodore? The, of course, the car that won the 79 Round Australia Trial uh, that debuted the Commodore in Australian motorsport.
1: Yeah, now that would be a really cool model. It's um, it's very unique and it was one of Brock's uh, best. He, he claimed it to be, I think, maybe his second best win in his career. So, you know, classic haven't got a mould for that, but Bianchi certainly have a base car and I do believe they have done a fair bit of homework on that car. So nothing that I can sort of get a scoop on at this stage, but um, maybe I'll uh, quiz Richard again in the near future.
0: Would be a very cool car. And, of course, it means if you do one, you could do the other two because there were three cars in total and they finished one, two, three in that Round Australia trial in, in 79. Craig Dwyer has the last of our questions in our listener questions section. Uh, he's wondering, is anyone going to produce a 118th Davison, Davison, that's Will and Alex, uh, Sandown Retro Milwaukee Falcon FGX?
1: Yeah, well, great-looking uh, model, and uh, I've checked in with William from Bian- uh, from Authentics. and uh, <laughs> <coughs> he'll, he'll be so me out there, that. He?
0: well you, <laughs> yeah, Well, you would have been correct about six, seven years ago.
1: Well, yeah, that's correct. So the good news is, yes, he does plan to make that and it should be, I'm going to guess and say around mid sort of next year.
0: Okay, good stuff. If you're a bit of a uh, Will Davison collector, you've probably got a few to uh, get your hands on. Um, as we mentioned earlier, the Monster Energy car, the Milwaukee car from the start of this year, there'll be the, the 2019 uh, Milwaukee Mustang, there's 2018 Milwaukee Falcon out there, so there's plenty if you're... A, a fairer wheel a will to, uh, to grab for the collection. And that sounds like there's a, a fair chance that Craig's call will be answered. We've had a lot of great feedback, Dim, on the second-hand market in the last few episodes in particular, where we've been taking a look basically decade by decade at the value of Bathurst-winning model cars. And we're going to deal with 1981 through to 1990. And I've got to tell you, there's some tasty prices in this decade. And looking at the list... I've got most of these cars in the shelf here at V8 Slith HQ, so I'm feeling very good about myself. And anyone who has got any of these cars should as well. So let's start with 1981, the true blue Dick Johnson, John French uh, race winner. Of course, the first Bathurst win for Dick, the only one for Frenchie, who recently turned 90, did John French. uh, A big happy birthday to Frenchie. He is still uh, charging along pretty well for a bloke age 90. And I reckon the numbers line up nicely here. I mention it because the value of the Bianti model, it's got a signed Dick Johnson certificate, it's about $900. So 90 years of age, $900, the numbers are all aligning.
1: Yeah, look, I think it's our golden era, uh, the the 80s of, of, of Bathurst and it really set up for what it is these days. And uh, John French often would say to me, when I asked him about his racing career, that he said that Dick Johnson one of, was one of his best co-drivers he ever had.
0: <laughs> I think he's told that story to a few people just quietly.
1: Yeah, yeah he sure has. So, yeah, really cool model. Um, hard to find, only done by Bianchi. And, yep, $900 is easily going to um, get, uh, get that one bought.
0: 1982. This is a bit of a surprise for me, but you might be able to explain the reasoning why. The Brock & Perkins Marlboro HDTV H Commodore, classic collectibles pumped out 4,500 of these. So not not small, but not huge runs compared to some of the other cars. It's probably not an iconic, you know, the big banger would be remembered more, the A9X Tirana, but it's going for big money. Why is this car such a, of all the cars in the list that we're going to talk through, I think it's the most valuable. Why so?
1: Well, look. I think four and a half thousand for a Brock Bathurst winner isn't a lot. Um, I think it was also in the era where Beanti were doing the official Brock collection, and maybe collectors were thinking, "Well, I'll just get the Beanti version," and uh, was sort of sticking to that to the Beanti brand. And you know, thinking back, you know, it was a a well-received model, but I I don't know why it's jumped through the roof as much as. as it has, I can only suggest it's, it's that four and a half thousand run. Uh, one thing I really love about that car and I remember was the really unique sort of, um, mag wheel mm. and, um, you know, maybe it's something as simple as that can, can really attract people to a model.
0: And we're talking $1,200 for one of these. So that's the first car to win Bathurst with a race cam that, that car had an in-car camera, uh, for the first time, uh, I think we mentioned this on a previous podcast, and I'd have to check my model downstairs. I can't remember if the mo- if the camera is in the car or
1: not. Look, you've got me uh, a little puzzled myself. I think it's there. Yeah, Maybe I'd have uh, to... I'd have I to can have big... running to their cabinet right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's me going down the stairs here at work <laughs> to double-check. Uh, oh, for those who are... Hardcore collectors, you'll know, and uh, either way, camera or not, it's a very valuable model and one that's well worth keeping. Or if you're going to part with it, you're going to get some good yeah. bucks. Uh, 83, of course, was the first year where Brock won Bathurst by swapping cars. Boy, doesn't that get people's noses up still nearly 40 years on whenever it's referred to on socials or online. I, I can't get over the, the the some of the stuff that people spew about that. Anyway, um, Brock Perkins and John Harvey, the number 25 VH, which – by the way, was the same car, the same chassis that had won the race the previous year. Of course, it was um, the special mild livery for the following year. It became John Harvey's car. 5,000 of those were made, so more than the 82 car. It's probably valuing that about 550. So is that because it's a 25 and not a 05 and it doesn't quite have that? Yes, it's a Brock Bathurst winner, but it's not 05, so it doesn't quite grab the attention of the fans as much.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the case. Nunes. um still a lovely model and uh it's 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 great to have that one in the collection as sort of not an 05 card to to tell that story, but um yeah, I don't know why that one's lagged in in price compared to the other Bathurst winners, but in the near future it could it could easily uh start to head north again.
0: Yeah, it's a nice car. There's there's no doubt about it. 84 Big Banger, that's a car that gets plenty of attention on socials and wherever else we wheel out. Now, this one's a unique one because Beanti, am I right in saying they did theirs first and Classic did their version second? They – They—they or the other way around, I should say. They did big numbers. Classic did 15,500 of these. Beanti did 15,000. The Beanti one's in a flip box with the replica helmet, so it's a little bit different. Um Classic did do a twin set of the 0.5 and the 25 cars that finished one too. Um, so I guess, surely, the sheer volume of production has hurt the price of this one.
1: Yeah, it certainly did, Noons. Um, like you say, Classic's uh, released theirs first and then uh, not too far away, the Bianchi one came out at uh, another 15,000. So we also saw at the time the 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 CEO that was sort of steering the ship of Bianti wanted to really overproduce models. And um, when they were all sitting in their warehouse, they decided they would just clear them out and they they were sort of dumped on the market, which was an absolute shame because that was the most requested car and, you know, the most revered car that uh, we could see. And so the price just sort of fell through the floor. And, you know, you could buy one for $120, 99 dollars, that sort of thing so Mm. but you know i always knew that one day they'd all be consumed by collectors and we'd sort of see the price start to climb and that's happening right now like literally two years ago you could get it for 250 bucks but now uh the beanti one or the classic one on their own i'd expect you to pay around 400 dollars and the the twin set that Classic Collectibles uh, produced with the lovely base and background, they uh, I pay about five hundred and fifty. So not a huge amount more for the second car.
0: Okay, uh, let's give that one some time. It might uh, be like the others that over time they've all been snapped up. to still yeah. a very special car, and uh, maybe those numbers will start to lift in, in the future. Of course, that was the end of Group C. We moved to Group A. Uh, as the main category in 1985, and it was a Jag win for Johnny Goss and Armand Hahner in the Tom Walkinshaw Racing Run XJS. The anti, uh, this is an auto car, I think, from memory, 2,600 of those made, the certificate signed by Gossie, and 550 is about the mark there, so it's pretty solid. Of course, it's the only Jag to win the race, but it's, from memory, not the only Jag made, because I think the number eight car that Walkinshaw put on pole, uh, that was also made as well.
1: Yeah, that's correct. So Auto Art made a beautiful uh, model of the of the Jag Bathurst winner, and uh, yeah, five fifty I think is a fair price at the moment. I can see that sort of climbing in the future as well, with only two thousand six hundred made. So, and like you say, the the third place car was produced as well.
0: Commodore bounced back in '86. Of course, the Chickadee Commodore of Alan Grice and car owner and sponsor Graham Bailey, who. I think he only did about 20 odd laps in that race. And it was after then that they brought in the minimum driver rule of how many laps you had to do. There was no rule before that. Uh, it, it's a unique one in the certificate signed by both drivers. Pretty often that you only get uh, probably the more named driver on a lot of certificates, but 3,900 run by Bianchi, And we're probably talking about $400 for that one. I think that one might chip away over time too.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's, it's a pretty cool looking car. And uh, Classic Collectibles also produced it as well and made 3500 So, you know, with a combined, you know, near 9,000 cars, uh, it's it's quite a lot in the marketplace for, for that car and, and driver combination. But so, yeah, $400 for either one, I think, is a, a fairish price. And, uh, again, you know, I can see most Bathurst winners climbing to sort of eight 800 to $1,200 in the in over time, so that one's still got a bit of growth in it price wise. Yeah,
0: a yeah, bit of room to move there. 87 was, of course, Brock's last win in the number 10 car that he took over mid race. He and David Parsons with Peter McLeod, who started the race. So, Bianti did five and a half thousand of that car, but the fact that it's Brock's last Bathurst winners meant that it's held pretty good value.
1: Yeah, correct. And again, they produced the 05 car as well. So, some people are a little bit, oh, which one do I get? And uh, But over time they probably think I've got to have the uh, actual Bathurst winner And uh, $750 is is, uh, probably a fairish price for that car at the moment
0: What about the zero five car that he started the race in Remember it it blew the engine in the first stint with David Parsons at the wheel Is it because it's not the winning car uh, Is it much different in terms of price would you think Or is it probably a little bargain for someone who's Looking for a Brock car to, to add to their collection?
1: Yeah, look, the 05, I'd, I'd probably value around the sort of 550 to 600 mark at this point in time. So, you know, again, great for the storyline. But if you want the Bathurst winning collection, yeah, it's the number mm-hmm.
0: 10. Yeah, definitely. 88, Sierra finally got its first Bathurst win after uh, well, well, crossing the line first in 87 uh, Tony Longhurst and Thomas Mezzera. Notice I don't say Mazira anymore Because I did a podcast with him on our VH 8 podcast recently And he taught me the correct pronunciation of his name And I want to get it right from here on in So it is Thomas Mezera, not Mazira, As uh, I think Mike Raymond may have coined him back in the day uh, This is cool, I like this car now It doesn't come of course with the B and h uh, decals, decals Depending on which side of the fence you come from uh, only 3000 made by Anti, signed by Tony Longhurst, the certificate. You're saying 500 bucks Now, given that it's got a signed cert, given that it's a relatively low run, I think in time that's going to go up. There's a lot of people who probably didn't care about Sierras in the 90s, but that's now 30-plus years ago, and a bit of time and rose-coloured glasses and memories and thoughts, I reckon that's got a bit of room to move, don't you think?
1: Yeah, look, it's a, it's a beautiful-looking car, and uh, but it, it, it sort of took off up to 500 bucks many years ago, and it's, to me it's kind of sat there uh, for one reason or another. Um, but like you say, only 3,000 of them done. So. But in saying that too, I, uh, I got a feeling that the Apex brand of Sierra could produce that car in the future, mm-hmm. and uh, so anyone that doesn't have one going forward in the future may be able to pick it up then. At, uh, at like a release price And then we probably won't, probably won't ever see that one done again
0: Yeah, well, that, that's probably a nice segue into the, the next year 1989, Dick Johnson, John Bauer uh, Bianti did a run of 6,000 of that Sierra And a signed certificate with Dick Probably about the 550 mark But then Apex Replicas did a version Small run, I think 1,080 That was signed by Dick and John Bauer so that's probably helped lower the Banti value, you would say.
1: Absolutely. You know, many years ago, that uh, Banti version was eight, nine hundred, a thousand dollars, if you could find one. So when Apex released theirs, it obviously affected the price. But I still, uh, I still really like the original Banti version. Uh, Apex is very nice as well. So you're talking for me. 550 600 for the Bianti version at the moment, and we're seeing the Apex one starting to climb now as well. And at the moment, I think you can pick one up for $350, bucks. Uh, but give it a year or two, and they're probably both going to be on par at around
0: $600. And the great irony, Dim, was that, uh, of course, Apex has ended up... When they made this model, it was independent, separate to Bianti, a different company, and then it was acquired by Bianti. It's now part of the same family, so it's funny how uh, the way these things work out. Last car that we're going to take a look at in our secondhand market on the Motor Focus Model podcast is one that Holden fans still get excited about all these years on. Uh, 1990, so 30 years ago this year, Alan Grice win Percy, the Holden Racing Team, VL Group A SV, as it's officially known, the Walkinshaw VL as it's colloquially known, uh, Bianchi did a big run of these 6,000 So a pretty decent amount Certificate signed by Gricey Solid Number um, In terms of value And And I think we may have touched on this On another podcast It's one of only two Group ASV race cars That have ever been made As a 118th model
1: Yeah that's right Noons. It's um, It's always been a very popular uh, Model uh, Being a walk shore, I think Is what What really helps its value And Uh you know, in an era where um, cars from overseas were, were winning all the races and this one uh, came back and, and put a Australian car on the, on the top of the podium again so yeah nine hundred dollars is um, is what I think it's worth at this point in time. we've discussed this car in the past with some of the issues that uh, with the bonnets so just be careful when you're buying that one that you uh, have a good look at it. Um, and watch out for that buckling of the bonnets But there are plenty of good examples out there as well
0: And I mentioned too that it's one of only two Group ASV models The other one is the Alan Grice uh, Win Percy Same drivers uh, 1988 Roadways FAI Commodore from Bathurst So uh, I reckon that there's a, an opportunity there For a, one of these model car companies To really turn out some Group ASV uh, Commodores Because there's plenty of cars there that haven't been done so when you look at the value of what we've looked at so far over the last few episodes if you're new to the motor focus model podcast click back through wherever you listen to your podcast and have a listen to some of our previous episodes the last few we've taken you through from 1963 we're now up to 1990 dim what sort of have you done the numbers adding all this together if you had every car along the way what sort of value are you looking at at the moment
1: yeah I thought it was interesting to uh add them all up, so I put the little accountant's hat on and uh, got the calculator out and uh, so just sort of averaging some of the cars that have been done by both and twin sets and all this sort of stuff. so an approximate value so far if you've got them all from sixty three to nineteen ninety you're talking about seventeen thousand dollars Andy mm mm yeah, so you know if you pick them all up at you know release prices and things like that. You've uh, you've done pretty well.
0: Uh, the only thing is, you'll only do well if you sell them.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's <laughs> easy to tell the wife, look, my collection's worth seventeen grand so far, but I only paid, you know, eight yeah. or nine, whatever a- it is. A- a-
0: as an investment strategy, it's a pretty good one compared to plenty of other things that you could invest your money in. Versus, yeah, yeah. you know, look at the percentage of return, potential return on. Here's what I bought it for. Here's what it's worth. Pretty good
1: yeah, look, we're always trying to help our customers uh, with with their significant other halves, uh, sort of keep them out of the doghouse. so <laughs> the old the old saying we've got is that you know if you buy a model, they generally the partner can be angry for a week, but you've got the model forever.
0: <laughs> oh that might become the uh, the motor focus motto for the future yeah. for this podcast moving forward mate we've covered a lot of ground in episode 13 uh, I mean 12A uh, we can go to episode 14 next week and we won't have uh, any dramas keep those questions rolling send them in through the Motor Focus website uh, through the contact page there and also through uh, socials particularly Facebook if you don't follow Motor Focus on Facebook do it uh, if you're not a member of the collectors club do it you'll get a 5% discount and uh get all the great advice on what's coming and uh, any of those model questions i know you've got a lot of loyal uh, not just listeners to the podcast but uh but store customers who have been buying from you for a very very long time so it's great to have them all involved and on board next week we will delve further into the secondhand market we will go into the 90s so the uh the end of group a the start of what became v8 supercars and i think there'll be some interesting models and some some cool values there, Dimitri. You rest up. That man flu's nearly uh, gone from your system. Hopefully, it's gone by the time we chat in a fortnight's time for our next episode. Uh, in the meantime, everyone, thanks again for listening. We'll chat to you soon with the Motor Focus Model Podcast.